0: Today we are talking about worship, uh, as you can tell from the block that's right next to me, what it is, and uh, why we do it, and how we do it, um, and it's a little odd when I talk about worship. I just talked about it even in our worship service times, because I used it as a noun. I, I kind of use it as a name, um, being our worship services. In fact, the building that we're in right now, we also call something unique. What do we call this building? It's our what? worship center, and and that's kind of a a, a misnomer of sorts. I mean, it is the name of it, but it kind of creates this sense of worship as though this is the center of it, or the epicenter of it, or this is where you have to be in order to worship, And, and, and yet that's not really what worship is. I mean, this is a part of worship, yes, but please understand, in reality, you don't come to worship. You come worshiping. Now, that might be new for some of you, but you don't come to a place of worship, okay, 9.30, I'm going to come in, I'm going to get my worship on, and then, you know, I worship for a song, and then we listen to the message, and then maybe we sing a few more songs in the middle, and then I got my worship back on at the end, and then I go, and then I'm done, and then I'm out. No, no, no. You don't come to worship. You come worshiping. It's not just about a time and a place, but it's about what we do. It's about what we always do. You are are worshiping as you go throughout your day. You are worshiping something with the time and the attention you give to that. Little known fact about human beings. We are wired to worship. Every one of us, we are wired to worship. It's in our DNA Everybody worships something, and if that's not God, you will find a substitute for what that is. That's when life kind of goes bad, and it goes wrong, and it goes different, and that's not the place we want to be. We are worshipers, and God should have that primary focus of worship in what we do. He should really have the only worship in what we do. Everything else is just enjoyment from Him, but our worship is focused upon Him. American Idol, um, you know, is on its, I think it's 13th season or something like that. Um, but truly, you don't. there's not just one American Idol. We have thousands and thousands of American Idols around in, in our United States. How do I know this? Because whatever has higher value than God is what becomes an idol and what we worship. And so as you came here today, you have been worshiping. Last night you worshiped, this morning you worshiped. It's just a matter of what you are worshiping. In fact, if I was to ask you today to show me some of perhaps your credit card statements or your checkbook or your day planner, day timer or your smartphone calendar and all that type of thing, those are theological documents. You know why? Because that's what tells me what you have been worshiping. Tells me what you've been valuing in your life with either your payments or your money or with your time. That's, your, that, that, that's an act of worship that you do. Worship, however, as I want to redefine this, is, is it, it's not just one area of your life. It, it is your life. It's everything about your life. Worship is that encompassing. And so let me kind of get into this as we look into Mark chapter 12. Let me show you what I mean by this. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus is um, teaching and a guy comes up to him and wants kind of the Cliff Notes edition of the Bible. Give it to me just in the Cliff Notes edition. And and have you ever noticed that um, things of great worth usually don't come quickly and easily? And yet that's kind of what this guy wants. And so Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says this, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and that conversation kind of takes place in the section before with the Sadducees and resurrection and Jesus was interacting and arguing with them. He says, and seeing that Jesus answered them well, the man asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Let's just just kind of cut to the chase on this one, Jesus. Which is the most important commandment? So Jesus answers, verse 29. The most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he was responding somewhat to the polytheistic nations that were around that worshiped many different gods. And Jesus says, Know the Lord our God, he is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now let's look at that kind of that phrase there at the very end: burnt offerings and sacrifices. Understand that this was how the people would view worship; they viewed it more as a duty of, of burnt offerings and sacrifices that they gave to God. And what Jesus is saying here is it is not about a duty or an obligation, but it's about a sense of love. It, it's not duty, <clears throat> but it's devotion that you give to the Lord. Now, this was an Old Testament kind of fallacy that the people had that Jesus wanted to set them straight with. Let's talk about some 21st century fallacies that we have. One of them is what I just mentioned in that, you know, we we, we come on Sunday thinking now is the time we worship. Now is the place I'm going to worship and I'm going to worship here and now. We treat it more as a noun than as a verb. Worship is not a noun. It's not a set activity from this time to this time, and then we leave, and then we're done worshiping. I'll, I'll give you a second one, uh, the sense that I, I have to worship in a certain posture, the sense that, well, when, you know, when I have my hands up like this, now I'm worshiping. Or when my hand is lifted high, now I've really got my worship on. As opposed to, you know, if I'm standing like, or if I'm sitting or, or if I'm I'm doing jumping jacks or if I'm laying on the ground. or we, we can worship in many different postures. Now, some may be more comfortable to you, but that does not denote worship. Worship can be done in any time, any place, anywhere, any posture. Worship is a 24-7 lifestyle with every activity, all the time, in every posture that we have. In fact, if you want to flip over to Romans chapter 1, or it's at the top of your outline, or it's up on the screen, whichever is easiest for you, let's define worship as, as Paul gives it to us. Romans 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, and it may be brothers or sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual, what is that? Your spiritual what? There it is. Now, there was nothing in there about posture. There was nothing in there about coming to a set time and a set place to do your worship. But it's living... It's presenting your entire self, your body to God as that living sacrifice. And that word living sacrifice is really kind of an oxymoron. Let me just define it for you. It would be like if this was the altar, I would get up here and I would crawl onto this altar and lay down and say, God, I'm now sacrificing my body myself to you. I am yours. And in the Old Testament, a sacrifice was then killed. And of course, it would be a sacrifice that would not be living anymore. However, the term here is living sacrifice. And so, what does that mean? That means you're a sacrifice yet, but you crawl down off of the altar and you still live your life. You walk around, out in the worship center, along the mallway. To your home, into your workplaces, in through your neighborhoods, into your clubs, into your social place that you go, wherever it may be, you are a living sacrifice. You have already dedicated yourself to the Lord. You're sacrificed to him. But now he says, go live. And so your worship is not just this one-time act. It's not even a weekly act or a daily act, but it's a 24-7 lifestyle. That's why the title is 24-7 Worship. We are always worshiping. We don't just come to worship, but we are coming worshiping as we come. Now, go back to that verses or those verses out of Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Because that one verse talks about To love the Lord your God with all of your heart. What does it say there? uh, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. With all of your strength. That's the 24 7 lifestyle that is done with all of your mind, your heart, and your soul, and your strength, which I think makes a great outline for us. And uh, those are the points that I'm going to give here, what Jesus was teaching on and sharing. And so the first thing that I wrote down there, if you want to fill in that blank there, is that worship is focusing my attention on God. It's focusing my attention on God. It's focusing my mind. It's focusing my thoughts. It's focusing my attention on Him, which, by the way, takes energy. You don't just do that passively. You don't just go through the motions, but it's really focusing upon Him. I catch myself doing this sometimes when I pray, maybe even praying for a mealtime, where I pray and I just kind of pray on autopilot. You ever prayed on autopilot? You kind of pray and you don't remember what you just said. It was a little bit of blah, 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 blah. But hopefully God sees it in the right way. But if my heart's not right, then I really question if he does. Maybe he does see it in the right way and it wasn't thought out. It, it was just kind of a mindless kind of an act. Do you, do you ever zone out in, in church? I hope not when I'm speaking. You're not zoning out. Like right now, like maybe I got some of you back in right now. But sometimes, right? Sometimes you might. It takes energy to focus on God. Let me say it this way. If your worship is mindless, it's meaningless. If it's mindless, it's meaningless. It takes energy to focus, and we need to focus on the Lord. In fact, I love what David says in 2 Samuel 24, 24. He says, I will not offer, again, this is in the Old Testament, I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me Nothing. If I'm going to come and I'm going to offer him something, it needs to cost me something of value to me. That's why even in the Old Testament, there needed to be a a lamb that was sacrificed. It needed to be a spotless lamb that was sacrificed. Or it needed to be the best offering that was given to the Lord because it cost you something need to focus your attention upon the Lord. Look at Romans 12, uh, verse 2 now. You don't have to flip back if you want to just read it out of here or if it's up on the screen. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your, of your mind. That takes focus. If you don't stay focused on the Lord or on the God um, uh, as he wants us to, then you will quickly conform to the world's ways. That's how sly the devil is. He wants you to conform to the world's ways, and you don't have to do anything to do that because you are getting message after message after message after message that is conforming you to the world's ways. It takes energy and it takes focus to put your attention upon the Lord and to worship Him in the midst of that. But look at the benefit. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. You give value to the things you give attention to. You ever been talking to someone, and as you do, you notice their eyes just kind of shift to the left or to the right, just about a half an inch, kind of looking at something else, looking beyond you or thinking about something else, or sometimes they might even be looking at you, but you know they're just kind of looking right through you and thinking about something else they have to do. Or maybe you're, you're talking with them, and they just kind of glance down real quick at their watch. What are they telling you? They got something else to do, right? Right? You're not their top priority. You're not what they want to put their attention on. One of my greatest gifts that I can give to my wife and my daughter, especially as March Madness basketball season approaches, is my focused attention. My focused attention upon him. Focused attention is an incredible expression of love. And to realize God's focused attention is always on us he wants some of that back on him he wants us to be able to have him involved in everything that we do and so we need to have that that isn't just mindless but it's a focused attention upon saying god you're involved in my life you're involved where i am now and i'm going to focus upon you now this is a great place that we can focus our attention upon the lord in the sense of corporate worship but i would say it does not stop here it goes with us in everything that we do. That's worship. Let me give you the second definition I wrote down there. And that is that worship is expressing my affection to God. It's expressing my affection to God. It's loving God with your heart and your soul, as Jesus kind of talked about with the mind and now with the heart and with the soul. And, and I know that might be a little difficult for some of you because you might come from a family that maybe isn't as a, as effective um, or affectionate as as uh, some others. Or or maybe you've just never kind of grown up in that lifestyle. Or maybe you're kind of challenged to do something more expressive. Maybe you kind of feel like you're the silent type. And if you have to raise your hand or lift up your hands this way, that might feel a little odd or it might feel a little weird or it might feel a little kooky. And, and, at first maybe it will to you but if the lord lays that upon your heart then it's good to kind of do something out of the ordinary good to kind of express to the lord that you love him and care for him in fact do you remember the first time that you told someone that you love them it it, it might have been a little someone beyond your mom or your dad Okay. Right. Right. Into a relationship where you told them that I loved them. You, you maybe got a little nervous. I remember the first time I, I told that to to uh, Carrie uh, that that I that I loved her. It was, it was it was it was it was it was a weird sort of thing. I had knots in my stomach and I was nervous. Why? Because I didn't know if she was going to accept that or if she was going to reject that. I didn't know that after I said I love you, if she was gonna say I love you back or if she was gonna say, Hey, great, you love me, I love me, hey, that makes two of us. <laughs> Wonderful. That's super. I, I I didn't know. I didn't know I didn't know how she was gonna respond to that, right? That, 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 that's some of the fear that maybe we have of putting that out there. Or do you remember in elementary school when someone would run across the playground with a little note, a little pen or a pencil attached to it? It was maybe the best friend of somebody who kind of had a crush on you or you had a crush on someone else. And so you sent your friend over there and you sent a note. Remember what the note said? Do you like me? Check the box. Yes, no, maybe. Remember that? Do you remember any of that? Right? Right? Why did people do that? Because we're a little fearful. We're not sure how someone is going to react or respond to that. It's a little risky to say, I love you. You know what, in this relationship with God, God has already been saying that from the beginning of time for you. And God went first. He moved first. He already said, I love you. In fact, 1 John 4.19 says it so well. It says, we love him because he first loved us. God has already checked the box, yes. God has already said, I love you, and he said it first. Now, in many religions... Um, God can be viewed as this angry tyrant type of being that we're supposed to maybe appease. Maybe that's what the offerings and the sacrifices were in the Old Testament. They kind of viewed it in that way. Or or maybe even uh, an angry tyrant that we're supposed to avoid or run from because we think that God's angry at us. Let me remind you, God is not angry at you. God is not mad at you. He is mad for you. That, that's the way our God is. He is mad for you, madly in love with you. And he wants you to know that. And when you feel that and when you sense that, even when you don't, you need to turn that worship back to him and express that back to him. See, the most important thing you can know is that God loves you. And the most important thing that you can do is to love him back. Let me just kind of boil it all down to just that. Tomorrow morning when you wake up and you kick your feet off the side of the bed, I would encourage you just to pray for a moment right there. God, today I have so many things that I have to do. But what I want to know is you more today. And what I want to do is love you more today. And if at the end of your day, when you get back into bed and you put your head on a pillow, if that is all you have done is learn something more about God and expressed your love to him, then your day was a success no matter what you did. Because that that's what you're created to do. You're created to love him. You're created to know him. And that's how God wants to know you. Now, being in here in this worship, this corporate worship time, that's part of it. But please, don't just check the box to say, I went to worship today. Check. No, you came worshiping, you're going to be leaving worshiping. You are here worshiping. We just get to do this in a little different way when we're here. And I know most of us kind of categorize or put worship into a box that says, when, when music is happening and when music is playing, that's when I worship. No, 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 no. Worship is so much bigger than that. I mean, just the last couple of values that we've shared. You think about um, the Bible and how that is God's opportunity to say he loves you when you read his word. That's a part of worship. You think about prayer. We just did three weeks on prayer. That is your opportunity to express your love to God. That is a part of worship as well. You see how many things can be worship or should be worship in our definition of worship? Even uh, as we talk about the offering plate that goes past by I know Pastor Mike kind of said, hey, as we continue to worship, that's because it's not as though, hey, we did our worship time, we sang our songs, and now it's the, you know, admittance fee here to First Baptist. You're supposed to put something in or give a little tip or something like that. That's not it at all. It's a continuation of worship that we give an offering to God. That's a part of worship. In fact, the word worship comes from the word worth-ship worthship what do you give worth to and when you give to god you are giving him worth you're saying hey you know what god i spend my money here 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 i also give my money here and what god asks for he wants the top not necessarily the most but he wants it off the top he wants you to begin coming to him because that shows that he has worth in your heart and in your lives And so there are so many ways that you worship God. You worship him out of obedience to him. You worship him out of surrendering to him. You worship him out of loving others. You worship him when you are a part of a small group or a Sunday school class. That is also a part of worship because you are in uh, fellowship with one another, which is what he asks you to do and to be obedient in that way. When you are serving others, that is your spiritual act of worship. I mean, that's what Romans talks about. You, you're a living sacrifice. You come down off of that. You are still a sacrifice. You are living. You are serving people. You're loving on people in that way. Just just your mindset can be a, a, an act of worship. Yesterday, my wife went to uh, help with our um, First Baptist Christian School uh, fundraising dinner that we had down here during the day. And she said, hey, if you don't mind, if you guys can, can do, do some laundry or, or, or fold the laundry when I'm gone. My, my, my human nature says, I don't want to fold out laundry. I shouldn't be folding out laundry. Why am I folding laundry? But my act of worship was, hey, God, In the midst of this, I am so thankful that I have a wife who wants to keep our household moving along. I'm so thankful that I have clothes that I get to wear. I'm so thankful that that those clothes are clean. Hey, God, I'm so thankful that we have a washing machine, that I'm not out there scrubbing these things with soap and water and hanging them up and all that kind of stuff. God, thank you. God, thank you. That became a spiritual act of worship for me, a time of worship for me because of my thankful heart that I was able to have. You see the mindset there please don't think you just come to worship you worship in everything that you do and in this in the midst of all this i think god i think god wants a little bit of passion from our lives because you know worship again isn't some simply an area of your life it it, it is your life it's what you do and look what it says out of uh, exodus chapter 34 verse uh, 14 for you shall worship No other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. There's a little bit of passion going on there, isn't there? You say, isn't jealousy a sin? Not with God. He made you, he created you, he loves you, and he demands that love for himself. That's that's what kind of God we have. He is so in love with you, he doesn't want to share you with someone else. That's why, and how jealous he is of you. He's got passion, desire for that relationship with you. Let me, let me kind of say it this way. Um, what if I walked up to my wife, who I've been married to now for 18 years, and said, honey, uh, and this maybe is on our anniversary, I say, honey, um, I have some flowers for you, and I'm giving you these flowers for three strategic reasons, okay? Number one, because I'm your husband. Number two, because it's our anniversary. And number three, because on anniversaries, husbands need to give wives flowers. These are for you. How is she going to respond to that? Not very well. And men, if you have not learned that, um, you will be divorced very soon, okay? That's not the way you do it. You, 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 you give because you, not out of a sense of duty, but devotion, you, you you love you serve one another, you, you bless one another not because you have to but because you're in love with that person think about maybe how you came to worship today were you saying oh great god i get to wake up and go and be amongst believers and be amongst people in a corporate time of worship and praise and i'm just going to praise you or was it a little bit more like okay god i'm here for three strategic purposes One, because I'm a Christian, two, because it's Sunday, and on Sundays, we're supposed to go worship. So here you go, God. You get the point? It's a mindset, isn't it? It, It's a heart, it's a devotion, not a duty, not a sense, I have to go do this. But God, I am worshiping you out of the overflow of my love for you. In fact, I I love this quote that Isabel Ralston gives. Let me read it up here on the screen. It says, Worship is the only gift that we can bring to God that he himself has not first given to us. I read that this week and I thought, that is profound. Because when you give to God your offering, it's because of the skills and the abilities and the talents that he has given you to make that money that you can now give back to him. When you give God your life, well, he has already given you your life, and so that's for you to give it back to him. But this worship, that's from you. That's where all all the free will and the free choice even comes in. God gives you the choice of what you want to worship. Remember, you're wired to worship. It's a part of your DNA. We all worship something. And when you worship God, you do so out of choice. And you do so out of love. And God knows that. And he also knows when you worship him out of duty. And he knows when you worship him out of, well, this is just kind of what I'm supposed to do. God wants more than that. He wants a passion from you because he's passionate from you, for you. In fact, let me read this verse out of Romans 6.13. It says, Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. There, There again is that living sacrifice. God, I'm dead to myself. I'm now alive in you, and I serve you in that way. So let me review. God's saying worship is focusing my attention on him it's expressing my affection to him and then let me give you the last phrase I put down there and that is, worship is using my abilities for him it's using my abilities and this is where it gets very very practical Colossians 3.23 whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men I read this to our staff this last week as a devotion I said staff you're not serving me staff, you're not serving our congregation, you are serving God. And when we get that mixed up, we can get our noses tweaked out of order. When we get, when we get that mixed up, then we get upset at little things. You're not serving me, you're serving God. And, and, and if, you, if you remember this, in fact, if you just star that verse and if you go in scripture, I think it's actually 23 and 24 are even more profound as it elongates this, this will revolutionize your life. This verse will revolutionize what you do this next week and how you approach your life. Because it's interesting, some people will say, well, you know what, if I'm supposed to worship in everything and, and my number one priority and purpose is to know God and to love God, then, then shouldn't I join like a monastery or shouldn't I become a nun or, or, a, or a monk or, or shouldn't I you know, go like five hours, quiet time for five hours and I just focus on God all that time or, or shouldn't I like be at church every day of the week Honestly, no. I don't want you to to, to kind of, you know, compartmentalize God. I want you to incorporate God into everything you do. It's all about you. all He is in every element of your life. Real worship doesn't happen just here at church. Real worship doesn't happen just like in your small group or in your personal quiet time or in your Bible reading or in your prayer time. It happens in the ordinary. It happens in the mundane. It happens in the routine things of life. That's when worship happens and sometimes when it happens best. In fact, look at this verse out of Romans 12.1. We've already read it in the ESV. Let me read it to you in the message. Kind of paraphrased by Eugene Peterson. He says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I think he nails it there. He's saying everything you do is worship. Everything you do is a part of the glory of God and it gives him glory. What does that mean? That means you can take out the garbage for the glory of God. That's what that means. That means if you answer phones at your work, you can answer that phone for the glory of God. That means you can make beds for the glory of God. That, that means you, you can even go milk a cow for the glory of God. All right? That, that's what this means. You can clean your room for the glory of God. and Kids, you should. You should be cleaning your rooms. You can do that for the glory of God. It's about a mindset. It's about an attitude. Everything can be turned into an act of worship if you say, God, I'm doing this for you. And my heart, my belief, is that God is way more interested in that type of worship than he is even for you to come here and kind of have those moments. Maybe even you lift your hand or maybe you raise one hand and you're getting, you know, you're feeling it. But then if you go and it does nothing to you or nothing for you or nothing in helping you live a Christian life, live at your faith and live what you believe, then what has it done? You know... Um, sometimes we give messages, and at the end of the message, we kind of give a big charge for you know go out and do a great thing for God and something like that. Um. There are, there are many times when we can be challenged to do those great things for God. In fact, you have the, in the bulletin, you have the uh, Costa Rica mission trip review. You have on the backside other trips that are coming up. We have a group in Haiti right now. We have another group going to Haiti in a couple of weeks. Those are great things for God. And some people have stepped up and said, here I go. But understand this. Please understand this. I believe God is just as pleased or even more pleased when we do the small things for Him out of loving obedience. Those great opportunities for God may come about once a year or maybe even once a lifetime, but those small opportunities to serve God surround you every day. And God's looking. And he's saying, man, that life is a blessing to me because they have lived, they are living it as a sacrifice. And they are worshiping me with their lifestyle. Now, this public worship that we come in here and do, that fuels that lifestyle, that fuels that private worship that we have. But let me remind you, worship isn't simply one area of your life. It is your life. It's what you do. My challenge is to do it for the glory of God. We get to come now to a time of communion. Again, it's, it's a focus. It's an act of our worship that we focus on God and remember what he did for us. And so this is to remember him as being a sacrifice for us as well. That Jesus became that living sacrifice. He died living now. Modeling that once again for us. And so as we come to this time, again, it's not a time to tune out, but it's time to Focus. And say, God, thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for living. Thank you for dying. My focus my attentions upon you. I'm remembering what you did so that I may live differently and glorify you. So as we come to this time of communion, why don't we just pause for a moment. Let's pray. Let's get our focus upon him. And engage with him in our worship.